You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. A Russian accountant is indicted for conspiring to influence U.S. midterm elections. Different nations have different styles of information operations because they have different goals. Technology shifts, but underlying principles of propaganda remain. The EU barks cyber deterrence, but doesn't bite yet. North Korea's petty cybercrime wave. Scammer is after altcoin enthusiasts. And there's neither confirmation nor retraction of Bloomberg's spy chip story. From the Cyberwire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Peter Kilpie, executive editor, sitting in for the vacationing Dave Bittner with your Cyberwire summary for Monday, October 22nd, 2018. Late Friday, the U.S. Department of Justice announced the indictment of a Russian national on charges of attempting to interfere with the approaching midterm elections. Elena Alexeyevna Koshinova of St. Petersburg, Russia, was charged with conspiracy to influence U.S. elections. She is alleged to have been active in the 2016 election cycle as well, but her indictment marks the first charges brought in connection with the 2018 vote. Her role is an interesting one. She's an accountant, and she's charged with managing the finances for Project LACTA, an influence campaign directed toward the now-familiar goal of inflaming existing American political and cultural fissures. As has been the case with other Russians indicted in the U.S., Ms. Kushinova isn't in custody. If she ever faces trial, she could face five years imprisonment. The techniques Project Latka used are also interesting. There were, of course, the familiar trolls right off the St. Petersburg farm, but these inauthentic identities weren't the whole of the operation by a long shot. The trollmasters also sought, with some success, to rope unwitting Americans into the op, often by forming and moderating groups on social media. U.S. authorities continue to express concern over influence operations not only by Russia, but by China and Iran as well. Many security firms say that they're not seeing much evidence of operations by China and Iran, but they acknowledge that they could be missing something. It's worth noting that the sorts of activities the three countries are known for differ in important ways. In the case of China, while much cyber espionage has been directed toward the theft of trade secrets, the influence operations reported have for the most part consisted of working to influence policy in certain specific directions. Thus, Beijing has, for example, funded various think tank programs as well as cultural centers at universities. Iran's influence operations have consistently sought to push specific narratives to gain favor and support specific foreign policy objectives. In this, they resemble those mounted by Saudi Arabia. We'll hear more about Saudi influence operations in a moment. Thus, both China and Iran have tended toward positive goals, that is, positive from their point of view. Russian information operations have, in contrast, been negative, Their goal has been opportunistic disruption. In the case of election influence attempts, Moscow doesn't particularly care who gets elected as long as Americans grow to hate and mistrust one another. As the Justice Department points out in its comments on the Kushinova indictment, quote, 
The conspirators' alleged activities did not exclusively adopt one ideological view. They wrote on topics from various, sometimes opposing, perspectives, unquote. This kind of influence operation is inherently opportunistic and inherently easier to pull off than campaigns that have specific, positive goals. What's seen as relatively new in these operations is the weaponization of advertising technology that's grown up with the Internet. And indeed, the same rifle shot accuracy that can be used to send your ads about airfares and nutritional supplements can be readily adapted to manipulating opinions and beliefs in other areas. But it's worth recalling the underlying principles haven't changed that much. With apologies to Professor McLuhan, sometimes the message stays the same, whether it's delivered by graffiti, pamphlet, broadsheet, loudspeaker truck, radio, television, or tweet. As the Grug points out in his underground tradecraft blog, quote, people keep rediscovering the basic principles of propaganda that were documented a century ago. It's basically like every new technology demonstrates the old maxim, six months in the laboratory can save an afternoon in the library, unquote. Saudi influence operations in social media draw attention as the kingdom continues to vigorously and implausibly spin its role in the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi at Saudi Arabia's Istanbul consulate. Twitter has banned inauthentic accounts pushing the kingdom's official line. The New York Times also reports that Saudi intelligence services attempted to infiltrate Twitter by compromising an employee back in 2015. The European Union concluded its meetings last week with gruff noises about cyber deterrence, but did not finally enact the sanctions against Russia, the UK, and Netherlands advocated. Kaspersky says it's detected dark pulsar malware infections in Russia, Iran, and Egypt. Dark pulsar is one of the alleged NSA equation group hacking tools the shadow brokers dumped back in the spring of 2017. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. 
Uh, Joe, uh, I was speaking to a security researcher recently who was talking about uh, people's ability to hack into TVs. And one of the things he brought up was this notion of within your home network, basically uh, segmenting it, having mm-hmm. a, a separate Wi-Fi network for your IoT devices right. versus uh, you know your regular browse, your laptops, your, your phones, your regular web browsing. What's your take on that? Uh, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I do see one issue with it, and it's not something that uh, the only issue I see with it is it's not something every layman is going to have going to have the ability to do. It's going to uh, right. you know it might be out of the out of reach of guys uh, or girls like my parents, for example. Sure, you know, sure, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're probably not going to be able to do this, and and my parents actually do have a smart TV in their house. Mm. Um, and it would be nice to be able to segment it. Uh, so it would be simple enough to do. You could either have a piece of equipment that can handle the VLAN or ha- perhaps have a, a, a guest network uh, segmentation, or you can actually buy two pieces of hardware um, and have one one piece of hardware handle the the Internet of Things products in your house, like your TVs, your thermostat, or whatever, and have the other piece of hardware uh, that you control handle your Wi-Fi network for uh, you know your family's devices. Yeah, you know, this is something we did in our house for a while, just sort of to... Uh to control access uh, for the kids, you know, right. to keep them from being on the network at all hours of the day and night. We had a separate network set up for them uh, that had time restrictions on it. And then one for my wife and I that was that was unrestricted, right. um, that was actually uh, hidden. It didn't broadcast its name, so they didn't even know it was there. And, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, because, That's perfect. Because if they knew it was there, sure, they would certainly crowdsource a solution to hack into it. Right, absolutely. <laughs> So I've been thinking about doing this as well, um, simply because I, you know, my my ISP is Verizon, mm-hmm. and I think last time we were talking, and and you asked if I had any IoT devices in my house, and my immediate response was, oh no, I don't have any of those. And then you <laughs> asked, well, what about your cable boxes? And I went, oh yeah, yeah, those are essentially just little Linux boxes that sit on on my network. They creep in exactly. And so you know th- these things, you don't even think about about what you have as an IoT device. Uh, right. We know. have a television that. Uh, right. That can that can run Netflix, can run you know Spotify, and it can run yep. apps. So and it, it and it's on the Wi-Fi network. That's right. And you know, we my daughter has one of those as well that she uses as a uh, a streaming device and a, and a computer monitor. So again, as it come as we talk about, you know, you and I talk about over and over again is attack surface exactly. And so exactly. if you can separate the attack surface of all these IoT devices, right. And now if somebody compromises one of your IoT devices, and these things never get updated, right, 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 <laughs> then that's the problem with them. Uh, so if now now if I compromise if somebody compromises my IoT device it's isolated on a network and the only thing it's going to have access to is other IoT devices things right. that I might not consider to be critical uh, I'm not I'm certainly not going to store my data on that on that part of the network right right all right Joe Kerrigan thanks for joining us my pleasure what's Pyongyang's quiet crime wave gaming hacks says recorded future. High-profile hacks have tended to serve as misdirection for the persistent low-level cybercrime North Korea uses to fill its sanctions and mismanagement-depleted treasury. Stealing and reselling in-game purchases would seem to be the very definition of petty crime, but it apparently pays Pyongyang to play. And, of course, ordinary criminals remain busy, too. Antivirus company Dr. Webb is tracking one hood who's actively pursuing people interested in cryptocurrencies. The scammer goes by the gnomes to hack Investimer, HipBlock, and MM Power. As Bleeping Computer notes, the crook works by setting up quite convincing websites that poses legitimate exchanges. His bogus sites also run phony lotteries, rent coin mining tools that don't exist, or even in a twist on a mystery shopper scam, offers altcoins just for browsing the web. 
His goal is usually to find crypto wallets and relieve them of their contents. So if you must fiddle with altcoins, fiddle with care. Finally, we follow up on the controversial Bloomberg story on Chinese spy chips allegedly found in motherboards. The news is there is no news. Apple's CEO Cook told Bloomberg at the end of last week that Bloomberg owed the world a retraction, but so far Bloomberg hasn't offered one. No one else has been able to confirm the story. And so the grain of rice-sized malicious chips remain as ghostly and as elusive as ever. Consensus is rapidly moving toward the conclusion that there's nothing there at all. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Listeners, we're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey and share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, 
protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire. 